You're listening to WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're turning our attention to the issue of after-school care for children in New York. And our guest is Kelly McMahon, CEO of the New York State Network for Youth Success, an advocacy organization and support agency for New York's after-school program providers. Welcome back to the show, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Well, before we get into what you're looking for in the coming fiscal year, can you talk about the support that's in the budget for after-school care in the current fiscal year? Anything of note? Yes. Uh, So currently, the way the state has after-school programs organized, they're in two different funding streams. We have OCFS that oversees some programs. We have state ed that oversees some programs. And so a lot of what we've been working at is hoping to get those two merged. And based on the funding that's available in the current fiscal year and has been invested in after-school care in in recent years, how would you describe the state of the after-school industry in New York, especially in terms of its capacity? As most of us know, access to after-school, really summer and expanded learning programs as well, are really far from equitable. In New York, there are actually four children waiting to get into an after-school program for every one child that attends. So we know that we absolutely need more funding uh, and more attention to after-school programs in the state. And is this a recent phenomenon or have after-school programs always had lengthy waiting lists like that? Yes, after-school programs have always had waiting lists. After-school programs, those who who do charge, sometimes the fees are are really high. And so we want to make sure that it is equitable for all parents who want their child to have access to a high-quality program. Well, then I guess looking to the future and how you actually achieve that, what are you hoping makes it into the final budget for New York? Well, we were really excited to see that the governor had invested more money uh, for after school to actually combine those two programs that we were just talking about. So they actually just released a new RFP for what's called the New York State Learning and Enrichment After School Program Supports, but we can call it LEAPS uh, for expediency. Uh, So we're really excited about that. And actually, for the first time ever, we're seeing dedicated funding for technical assistance. So in New York State, almost half of all subsidies go to support school age students, yet zero, none, no dollars uh, have ever been allocated for technical assistance for these programs. And so for the first time, we're now seeing a million dollars that's allocated. It's still not enough. We're hoping to see five million dollars allocated, but we're really excited that it's really excited that we have the starting point um, and that we have something to go off of now. Any other streams of funding that you want to see boosted from what the governor proposed in her executive budget? Certainly community schools is something we're always advocating for. Um, So we absolutely want to see more funding uh, dedicated to community schools as well. And based on the governor's proposal, what does that mean for the status quo? Do we continue to see the capacity issues that we talked about earlier? We will still see the capacity issues. Um, that's why we're asking for an additional $119 million on top of that to really make it more universal, expand that access, decrease those waiting lists, increase the per student rates so that way programs can actually afford to operate these programs. Uh, what we've seen historically is programs opting to not even apply for some of these grant opportunities because it actually costs them money to run these programs. So by increasing that per student rate, programs are able to offer higher quality programs and not uh, at a loss. Well, yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit on that funding dynamic and how what the state might make available isn't actually reflective of the cost of providing some of the services that after school programs run? Absolutely. I mean, the, the per student rate has 
increased very minimally over the years and with a lot of advocating that we've done. But it's just with the workforce, with being able to retain staff, with minimum wage increases, the majority of after-school providers spend their money on salaries. And so by increasing the per student rate, not only can we pay our after-school staff a livable wage, um, but also they're able to provide some of those programmatic supports to enhance the after-school quality. And when we talk about wages in this sector, what are people making and how does that compare to, say, the training and expertise that some of these employees have? Uh, so, so to be a site director in an after school program, you have to have education qualifiers. So you either have to have your credential or you have to meet certain college credits. So we are talking about professionals and oftentimes they're part time making minimum wage. Um, and so one thing that we're excited to see in this new LEAPS uh, proposal is that they have the opportunity to have it a year round program. So hopefully that will encourage more full time folks in the workforce. Um, and programs can actually afford to pay for a full-time staff rather than part-time. And in terms of the facilities and capital investments that these programs might need, is there money for b- bigger buildings so that you can actually, if you have staff to hire more teachers, instructors, uh, general help, that you actually have room for these people? There uh, were some grants available uh, for capital projects, you know, looking at um, the child care desert grants. Unfortunately, for a lot of our after school providers, they're in school buildings. And so, um, you know, it's helpful for those who are operating their own center. uh, But we need more supports for those that are in the school buildings as well. Do you want to be able to move out of school buildings or are those an ideal space considering that kids are already in the schools to begin with? We, we do uh, really value the partnership between schools and our community partners. Uh, we do feel that youth thrive, youth do better in school, have better attendance when they are in after school programs. And that school community partnership really uh, is alive and well. You mentioned salaries as an important tool for recruiting and retaining talent in this industry. Are there other perks or or incentives that are important uh, to make sure you have a vibrant workforce or career pathways, something that need to be uh, a focus? Are there other things that can be done? Absolutely. Um, You know, right now, New York is very early care uh, focused. So our quality rating and improvement system or QRIS in New York State um, is only for early care. So a lot of those professional development opportunities, those coaching opportunities are not available to our after school professionals. Also, given that they are part time in the majority, they don't have access to benefits like health insurance, paid time off, uh, sick leave. So those are things that we really want to incorporate into the after-school world to really help professionalize the field. And in New York in recent years, we've had a lot of conversation about the importance of childcare. But in that conversation, does the after-school program fit nicely into that? Or are you guys, for lack of a better word, the odd man out or redheaded stepchild who has a, a tougher time, say, competing with child care providers that might have broader hours and have uh, an ability to compete, say, for more funding? 
Yeah, we do see again that New York really does have an early care lens when it comes to child care. We feel that after school is on the continuum, it's, a, it's on the spectrum of child care and you know, children don't stop needing a safe place to go once they turn five years old and go into school. So certainly, you know, it is part of that continuum, but we just we really need to shift our thinking and and stop solely focusing on early care. And we do value our, our early care partners, but we want to see after school having more of a conversation in this space. I mean, even looking at the Child Care Availability Task Force, I believe I'm the only person who represents the school age population. And again, school age is almost half of our subsidies in New York State. Well, finally, you mentioned the Child Care Availability Task Force, which is supposed to be putting out another report. In fact, I believe it was already due. Any sense of where that's coming and who's actually writing it? Uh, it should be coming out <laughs> shortly. That's that's all the information that we have. But you're on the task force, so it seems like the what the Hochul administration is steering this and taking the pen, as opposed to the actual task force members leading the way. I'm not sure who's actually drafting it, but um, I haven't heard in in a little bit. But I do believe it was supposed to be out in December. It's my understanding too. Well, we've been speaking with Kelly McMahon. She is the CEO of the New York State Network for Youth Success. Kelly, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Support for the Capitol Press Room is provided by New York State United Teachers, a statewide union of nearly 700,000 professionals in education and healthcare.